Today's guest on the Keto Culture podcast is Gina Brileski. Gina is an author, talent development coach, and corporate educator whose passion is in helping humans build resilience for themselves, their companies, and their communities. She's worked more than 30 years as a leader in the nonprofit human services field. And today we're going to get into topics such as where self-awareness fits into communication, huge, and we also talk about how the disk profiling kind of flips the golden rule and makes it into not so much self-centered, but more treating others the way they want to be treated. So we get into some real cool stuff about communications. So let's just start the podcast. Let's go. Welcome to the Key to Culture podcast, a show that explores the sometimes unseen forces that animate, connect, and unleash thriving companies and teams. You're listening to the Key to Culture podcast, exploring vital energy and life force at work with Tom Kelly. All right, Gina, welcome to the Key to Culture podcast. Glad to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah, Gina and I have been doing some, she's been doing some work with our company uh, around disc profiles. And I wanted to, um, yeah, I wanted to start off with, what do you think, based upon your expertise and everything, what, when you look at companies that are faltering, what do you think is missing? Yeah, that's such a great question. You know, every team is so different. But if I looked for a theme amongst the, the teams that I've worked with, I would have to say it's probably around communication. You know, it's a beautiful thing when it works, like technology. It's a beautiful thing when it works. But there are breakdowns and sometimes that really hinders teams from growing or achieving their goals and those kinds of things. So I do see sometimes that gets in the way. And when you see a team, when it really works, it's awesome. So you're saying like a breakdown in communication. So what do you work on when you start working with a team? What do you, what do you, what's the foundation of, of what you do? Yeah. So for the most part, you know, I look at the individuals. So I like to work with the individuals to help them to identify, you know, what's working for them, what might not be working for them and really look at how do they show up to an interaction, right? So I think it's really important that we do some self-awareness building. So I often uh, work closely with the team members on their own emotional and social intelligence. And then I use the DISC behavioral profile, which you know, I, I love, I've used it for years. I find it incredibly useful, both for individual development and then team development. So I think starting with the individuals on the team, helping them to gain greater insight into what they contribute and bring to the interaction, building that self-awareness, building some of those social and emotional intelligence skills, and then being able to share some of that as a team, I think is incredibly helpful. Yeah. I think uh, it seems like all roads lead to self-awareness in some of the Mm -hmm. things we're in the exchange program together. And yeah, for me, it really, it's everyone I talk to now is they, they uncannily start with, well, you have to know yourself first. So, so what do you think, do you think that let's say members of an organization in general Mm -hmm. don't quite know themselves very well or in like, what is it 
is it their style that they don't know or is it too hard to know yeah you're you're broadcasting your own stuff so exactly yeah it's so interesting to think about it you know there's probably hundreds and hundreds of answers to, to that question right because we're all so unique and different but we do we show up in the world and we see the world through our own lenses and in our past experiences and you know the things that we've encountered so it's hard sometimes to understand our own blind spots until we have somebody to help us to do that right so being able to take an assessment and then sitting down with someone to digest it and go over it and you know say you know what does this mean and okay i see the words on the page but how does this show up in my life and really talking about the experiences that the person may have had and then the light bulb goes on like oh okay well that's why you know there's friction between me and this other person or why i have to you know tell my teenage son 10 times you know <laughs> you know this one thing and and it frustrates me so yeah i think it's it's being able to have the individual self discover through that process right. if that makes sense it, it does it does and what is what's an example of something that somebody could discover and then actually be able to adjust their behavior from that discovery yeah so i'll give you a, a simple one and this applies to me just around you know my disc and it applies to some of the, the women that i happen to be working with right now so i'm a high d so i'm driven and, and decisive right and so when i show up in a meeting i think nothing of just speaking up and throwing my two cents in and and sometimes and i do it in a friendly way it's not like i'm you know pounding on the table or anything it's just that i am comfortable you know doing right. that you're leaning forward exactly and i don't feel like I'm interrupting, I feel like I'm adding, but other people perceive that as me interrupting. I'm not letting them get a word in, or you know, they they hang back because I'm so forward, right? So I end up causing people to move back a little bit. So that certainly has come up in a number of my coaching sessions with high Ds that feel like, oh, I have to take a step back in those meetings so that all voices can be heard because I'm so powerful, I'm so out there. And when I do that, I don't hear from the rest of the team, which means we lose valuable information and insights, right? Right, right. Yeah, I want to ask, like, what makes DISC different than other diagnostic tools? Like, what is it measuring? Well, it's it's measuring a, a couple of different things. So it's looking at our behavioral tendencies really is what it is in a nutshell. And it's different than some of these other ones they're all good you know and i use other assessments but disc really just happens to be one of my favorites it's different in the sense that the fact that it's behavioral right so if i know that my behavioral tendencies fall in these areas and here are some typical things for those styles and i can then relate that to experiences i've had interactions where i'm like mm, yeah that didn't go so well and now i can kind of understand maybe why then i have control so if it is behavioral i have control i can say all right gina you need to watch yourself and stop interrupting in meetings you know you're gonna right. and whatever that looks like for me so i might work with my coach or my supervisor my leader to help me so that you know i have one woman who sits on her hands because she talks with her hands and i kind of do that too 
So to keep herself from interrupting, she sits on her hands. So I like the disc because it's behavioral. The other reason I like it is as complex of a tool that it is in terms of what it gives us, like it gives us lots of information, it is simple to understand and to be able to pull apart those behaviors that now we want to use to tweak a little bit. So it's it's simple once we understand it and pull it apart. We could execute. If I did a disc training with you, Tom, today and we went through it, there would be things you could use literally when we when you walked out of that meeting. Yep. So very that's applicable. That's what we found when, yeah. we, brought, when we brought you in um, last month. So one of the things I, I learned from you is, well, a lot of consultants, they come in and they create a lot of work. And mm-hmm. one of the things that you said and then delivered on was this might be, you know, you take the profile, which just takes what, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's things you can do less of. So like, exactly. I think that appeal, that appealed to a lot of people on our team. <laughs> like, wait a second, you're not giving us all this work. No, 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 no. And that's that's a nice frame for DISC because it can be overwhelming to think, oh my gosh, I have to do more of this. So an example, and I may have used this with your team. So the S style, that's a steady and supportive style, tends to be a bit more reserved. It's people focused, but it's reserved. And those folks, people who are high S's tend not to speak up in meetings right? So I'm giving you this example. And so to say to a high or yeah, high S, hey, you need to speak up more in meetings. That's very scary and overwhelming. Sure. Right. And now they're thinking, oh my God, they brought in this consultant. She's going to make me do something I'm really uncomfortable doing. And ugh, I don't want to do this. And so there's that immediate resistance to that. But if we frame it and and it's just really to help the brain not go into threat mode. Really, that's all this frame is, is we frame it what we can do less of. So immediate, like like you said, immediately, it's like, oh, okay, I can do less of something. That's great. You know, I'm so busy. I have all these things. And now one less thing I have to do. And we frame it as I'm going to do less hanging back in meetings. And that's, it's the same thing really, right? But it frames it for the brain to not go into threat mode. It keeps it open and like, okay, you know, I can do this. Let me think through this. And usually they have a, a partner that they're working with to help support them, whether like I said, a manager coach, you know, to help them as they're prepping for those meetings and what will not hanging back look like, right? Sure, sure. So, yeah. yeah. So what you, you don't, I, I imagine because I've seen you don't use disc alone. It's it's a part of a, I don't know, do you consider it like a a, a medicine that goes <laughs> along with the whole holistic, you know, right. Work right. Yeah. So it's, you know, I always say it's oh, it's part of the puzzle that is us, right? You know, we're complex human beings. It is a great tool because it gives a lot of information, but it's not the end all be all. We don't want to stop there. So when I work with individuals, I have found that it's useful if we use a few things and we put them together. What happens very often in learning, so I'm a learning professional, I've been a learning professional for a long time, I've run learning departments, and I consult with other learning professionals to help them build their departments. And one of the things that I often find is when we do these leader development programs, there's always like one-off training where people, the trainings don't fit together and and form a good foundation. And they're like, oh, that was really fun. And it was probably an awesome training that they went to. And then 
you know, as well as I do, we've been through these things. We take the folder or whatever we got and we stick it in a drawer. And now we put it on a file in our computer and we don't look at it again. And so nothing feels connected or cohesive. So when I work with leaders and teams, I want to make sure that everything we do builds on each other, works together. There's some scaffolding or something there to, so that the person is able to gain skill and keep moving on. So I use DISC. Sometimes I use it first. Sometimes I don't. I use an emotional intelligence assessment. Typically, I'll, sometimes it, it always depends on needs. I'll put in a strengths assessment as well. And then we figure out what else it is that that person or that team needs. But everything we do is connected and supportive of each other. So right. I hope that makes sense. Oh, it does. Perfect. So tell me how you're, we both discovered this exchange approach this year, right? Yes. You, yeah. A little over a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did that augment what you were already doing? Oh my gosh. Um, well, I love the whole exchange approach as much as you do, Tom. I think, you know, what I said to John Bergoff, who's the owner, is that it literally was a game changer for me. So I have been in the learning space, a facilitator, a coach for the better part of probably 20 years at this point. And I work for the most most of that time with folks that are in human service, healthcare, delivery, working with folks with disabilities. And they are a wonderful group of people, a resilient group of people. And this has just been something that I've, you know, loved to do. So I've done training for them. I've done coaching. They're just an underserved population typically. And going through the exchange process, you know, I loved facilitating. I thought I was a great facilitator until you find out what you don't know, right? I know. I know. I had fun. I was running groups, doing these kind of things. But when you learn that methodology and you're able to bring people together and connect in a way that's just different from what I did before, the generative nature of exchange and the questions and the thoughtfulness and of the choreographies really just blew me away. I, I mean, it's taken my facilitation to a totally different place. I, I, I don't even know how else to describe it, but uh, the results, like I love seeing the results for the teams, the groups, you know, when they express, I can't believe how connected I feel, or I never knew this about my teammates who I've worked together with, but because we put them together in a different way, they, you know, uncovered new things. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. It, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I crack up that I was, teaching people in April how to use Zoom before I was in exchange. And then I got to exchange. I'm like, wait, I just knew like how to turn it on. <laughs> uh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. So um, what what was the phrase? I think it was you who said that there's there's the like disc, like one more question on disc. The, the, yeah, yeah. Like the golden rule is do unto others as as you would like them to do unto you what is the uh, disc is the disc overlay that do unto others as they would like done to yes them? so oh. it, it's so funny I, I don't know if you could see my little children's book up there it's called sure. rodney makes a friend and it's about building social emotional intelligence for kids and i wrote it with my co-author at johns hopkins and in the book we talk about the golden rule of friendship and the golden rule of friendship is exactly what you said. It's treating others the way they want to be treated. 
right? So we need to discover not, we don't want to operate just from our own self-centeredness, right? We don't want to just go through the world treating everyone the way we want to be treated because that's not going to work for every interaction. So the golden rule of friendship is being able to uncover how that other person wants to be treated. And so we do that. So this helps us because, you know, as you you'll see and you've already started to see as we begin to work through the team, the team can find out these nuances about the communication styles and the things their coworkers like. And so when I now show up to that interaction, I know how Tom wants to receive information so I can tailor my message so it lands better with you. I'm not just coming from my one place that I feel comfortable coming. Yeah. So, so does that make sense? Yes. And such great insight that really, I mean, in a, in a selfish way, we, we walk around in business trying to have our interactions as fruitful for ourselves and the team and the world as we can. And if we're just using our own frame of reference, it's crazy. Absolutely. And yeah. It, it, probably, yeah. Miss, probably missing like three out of four times. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So um, what... A kind of a two-part question. What is your perfect scenario to be invited into? Oh boy. <laughs> and then and then if that goes along with what is your what is your vision for your own business or empire or <laughs> what like what 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 do you when as you look over the horizon, what do you see? Yeah. You know, I love I love working with teams. I love working, you know, with teams inside of big companies inside of small companies. I just love when there's a dynamic that's causing angst and then I can share some of this information. And it's like, you know, that breath that people take like, okay, maybe there's something that we can do. That just brings me joy. Like I love being able to share whatever I can that will help them to just take some of the stress off. You know, we're all stressed. We all have stressful jobs. And that's again, you know, working uh, in the field I've been in for so many years with people that support people with disabilities, that's a stressful job. And I always said, you know, when I was in operations and then moving into learning, I always said the job is stressful enough. My job is to help it be less stressful. I don't want more stuff piled on. So if there's you know, the job itself is stressful. So if there's communication issues, we're dealing with that because right. you don't need that. You guys are awesome. You're working your butts off. You don't need that added level. So I love being able to just share uh, that information so that people can take a breath and go, okay, there's a light down there and then we're going to get there. We're going to make this better. So I love that. I love working with, um, you know, the onboarding process understanding the science behind bringing in new members because there is you know brain science behind that we need to help those new hires feel like part of the team and quickly or the brain goes into threat it kicks into friend or foe and they want to know we're a friend really quickly be part of that team and then they want to understand that you know where do i fit into this again the brain doesn't like uncertainty so we quickly have to help them feel centered and like here's what you're doing we're going to get you up to competence quickly and you know so that there's a just so that they feel very certain versus uncertain so i love that process and then managers i love helping managers move into the leadership roles that they want to be in i love you know 
so many I've worked with over the years have been, you know, sponges. They just they want to they just want to take it all in and they want to act on it. And they're just so eager to to move up in their careers. And I just I love that. It's it's just so rewarding for me. So, yeah. And then you can. Yeah. I, I in your answer, I, I saw that you can exponentially influence, you know, when you when you are with a management team, there's that many more people that are down. Right. The line. So, exactly. Yep, exactly. Yep. Yeah. So where do people, well, first of all, I just want to say that in your work with us, your, your presence was the first thing that put people at ease. Oh, like, thank you, you. Yeah. You just had, you, you had a way of your own personal, like serenity showed immediately oh, and that nice. kind of starts, starts everything. Well, I also love like start what you just said, start at the beginning like at the beginning of the life cycle, you even gave us this tool of making your best performer actually who works at the company take a more detailed tet, uh, yes. assessment. And then they're like the super, you know, you try to clone your best person. So yeah, that's yeah. Incredible. we use a benchmarking process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So where, where do people find you? They can go to my website, ginaburleski.com. They can also find me on LinkedIn. Those are probably the two best places. And just so you know, I've made my book free on my site. You know, we've had a really stressful year. Kids have been home, as we all know. And it's a book about resilience. It's, it ends up where this little bunny learns to be a resilient rabbit. And so that is free on my site, the digital and uh, video version of it. And it's a very cute, my, one of my co-authors, she narrates it. And it's it's very, very cute. So people should go there and at least get that for the children in their lives because it's that's, free. That's the book you mentioned before? Yeah, it's that little pink book up there. Say the title again. Sure. It's called Rodney Makes a Friend. It's about a little rabbit, Rodney Rabbit. Why did you name him the rabbit Rodney? Flows off I, the top. Yeah. My co-author picked the name. It's cute. You know, so we, we all liked it. It's yep, awesome. Yep. Rodney doesn't get any respect. That's yeah. What, there you go. But he's a little uh, shy rabbit and it's a right, good book. So. Right. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, thank you for this, having me. This, yeah, it's great. I knew when, when we started working together, we have to we have to get you on the podcast. So yeah. fantastic. And um, I will um, put all that information you shared and great thing, but yeah, thank you so much. And uh, oh, Thank really you, Tom. And say hi to the team for me. All right. We'll do. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Key to Culture podcast, sponsored by Quantius, the premier marketing agency for emerging technology. Quantius, smart, fast, curious.